If you have a Bible, I could invite you to turn to 2 Peter, if you have it in the device, 2 Peter chapter 1. Uh, Two weeks ago, as we ventured into Peter's second letter, for anyone who's visiting, we've spent five months in his first letter, but last Sunday we, we entered into his second letter. And we very quickly discovered and celebrated the fact that we have everything we need for life and godliness. I mean, it's an incredible thought. We have everything we need. This is according to verse three of the first chapter. We have everything we need for life and godliness. And it kind of rubbishes this suggestion that any of us might have that, well, look, I don't have what it takes to live a godly life. You do. You do. You have everything you need. Now, it's not that we have this potential or this ability in and of ourselves. Peter makes it really clear that it's been given to us by God. So have a look at verse 3. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need. So the source is God, and His divine power, which is a clear and specific reference to the Holy Spirit who indwells every single Christian, His divine power, His Holy Spirit, enables us to live this life. So we have everything we need from God by His power, the Holy Spirit, to live this life. So each Christian in this room this morning has the capability to live a life, a godly life, to its full. But it doesn't guarantee we will. It doesn't guarantee we will. Just because we've got it, just because we've been given everything, doesn't mean we'll use it. Doesn't mean we'll live it. And so Peter goes on to make it clear that we have got a part to play. Some assembly is required, as we put it last week. And therefore he writes, have a look on down, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. And then he itemizes these seven things, these seven virtues, these seven qualities, or as I was reading someone this week referred to them as seven habits of highly effective Christians. Not sure I like that, but anyway, that's what they describe. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, love. Now remember, if you were here last week, we are adding these to our faith. That's so important we make this clear again. We're adding these to our faith. That is the bedrock. That is the foundation. We're not talking about adding these in order to gain faith. We're not talking about adding these in order to become Christians. We're not talking about adding these in order to work our way to God. No, Peter recognizes that faith is in place. The groundwork has been done. So have a look up at verse 1, where he addresses his readers as those who have received a faith as precious as his. And so we said last week, faith is a gift. We receive it. And faith is a treasure. It's precious. We treasure it. And so when Peter writes, make every effort to add, he's not peddling, he's not promoting a gospel of good works. He's not pushing some equation that enables a person to work for their salvation. He's not suggesting anyone adds any of this in order to get saved or to get right with God. No, he said, listen, faith is a precious and gracious gift that you receive. But with that in place, with the foundation laid, and because you are now saved, what Peter says, right, it's time to add to your faith. 
Or let me put it like this, the way Paul puts it. It's time not to work for your salvation. It's time to work out your salvation. Grace, we said this last week, grace precedes demand. God has given us his, God has granted us faith as a gift. Now demand, say, listen, make every effort to add to your faith. Kevin DeYoung puts it like this. When it comes to growth in godliness, trusting does not put an end to trying. So I said, this is not about letting go and letting God. That's a phrase you do hear from time, just let go and let God. I struggle with that phrase. This is not about hitting some kind of spiritual autopilot button and hoping you will automatically become godly. No, says Peter, you have got to make every effort to add to your faith. You've got to make every effort to build on that foundation. You've got to roll your sleeves up. You've got to be involved. You've got to play your part. You've got to get stuck in. Or to quote another translation some of you might be using, what Peter actually says is you need to apply all diligence to this. Now this idea, this, this emphasis on the part we play in our discipleship, it's consistent with the witness of the New Testament that, that growth and godliness does require our input. So take the armor of God, for example. I want to give you a few other examples of this just before we dive into those seven things. But take the armor of God, for example, Ephesians 6, where, where Paul says you've been provided with, you've been given access to this six item protective outfit that will enable you to be strong and to take your stand against the enemy. But then Paul makes it clear, do you know what you've got to do? It's been provided for you, it's been given to you, but do you know what you've got to do? You've got to put it on. You've actually got to take those six items and you've got to wear them. No one's going to put them on for you. You have a part to play in this. Or in Colossians 3, whenever Paul is kind of suggesting an alternative outfit to wear that will enhance our relationships, things like a humility, he says, and kindness and gentleness, Paul's clear instructions are these. Clothe yourselves with humility and kindness and gentleness and forgiveness and over all these things put on love. Clothe yourselves. No one else is going to get you dressed. You've got to clothe yourselves. Sticking with Paul as he approaches the end of his faith, his kind of, his, his faith anchor journey, he, he talks about having fought the good fight, having finished the race, and fighting and running, they're not passive activities, they require effort, they require intention on our part with a part to play. One more example of this, the writer of the Hebrews instructs all Christians, make every effort, he says, to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. And do you know something? Harmony and holiness do not come without effort. And that's why the writer says, make every effort to live at peace with everyone and to be holy. Will not happen automatically. We have a part to play in this. The foundation's in place. We're people of faith. We've been granted the gift of faith. But you've got to add to that. So, so Peter's teaching here is not out of sync with the rest of the New Testament writers. It's not unusual. Christians, yes, are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, by Christ alone, but growth in godliness, maturity in the faith, requires us to make some effort to work out our salvation. Now, before we explore the, the seven things, qualities that we're going to add, let me make two further comments. The first is, uh, these seven things, they're not sequential. 
They're not like uh, rungs on a ladder where you climb one step at a time. So for example, we don't wait until we have goodness sorted and sussed before we move on to knowledge. And then once you've gained a vast amount of knowledge, then you move on to self-control. It's not the way it works. All of these are interrelated. They all overlap. And so what Peter says is make every effort to add all of these to your faith as you navigate your way through this Christian life as you follow Jesus. The second comment relates to something Peter says in verse 8. If you have a Bible, have a look at it. He says, for if, after he lists these seven qualities that we are to add to our faith, he says, for if, and note the if, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, key phrase, in increasing measure. These qualities take time to develop. They don't appear overnight, but they should be increasing in your life and mine. They should be. And if you've been a Christian one month, you've been a Christian one year, you've been a Christian 50 years, the challenge remains exactly the same. We have to make every effort to add and to see these qualities developing in our lives in increasing measure. We don't stop. We never stop growing. We never can say we've arrived. But don't forget the kind of motivation. Don't forget the reason for this. End of verse eight. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will, here's what will happen. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. You see, without these qualities increasing in our lives, unless we make every effort to add these to your, we cannot and we will not get to know Jesus better. That seems to be what Peter's teaching here. We will not become more like Jesus. Unless we make every effort to add these to our faith, because if we do possess them in increasing measure, they will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive. Okay, let's work our way through the seven of them. We'll see how far we get, okay? Let's work our way through. So for the first one, we're gonna, if you were here last week, I said we're actually gonna pause on this text for a few weeks. We're gonna park here for some time, but I'm not sure how long exactly. But anyway, here's the first one. Says, Paul, Peter says, make every effort to add to your faith. Goodness. Goodness. Now there's a few different aspects to this quality. If you have a Bible, look up at verse three again for me. Look up at verse three, because Peter has already used this word. As he talks about this. And so he says, His divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life, has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us, get this, by His own glory and who called us by His own goodness. So whenever Peter says, I want you to add to your faith goodness, he's talking about a quality that reflects the character of God. A quality that reflects the character. So this isn't just about doing good, although we'll come to that. This is about being good. Being good. The King James Version, for those of you who use the King James Version or the New King James Version, you will see that the word is not goodness, but the word is what? Does anyone know what the word is or has got a copy of a King James in front of them? The word is virtue. Make every effort to add to your faith virtue. And virtue means essential, intrinsic goodness in this context. Because this is about the character of God within us. This is about a godly character within us. This is what we're talking about adding. So if you've got the message version, it says, so don't lose a minute on building what you've been giving, given, complementing your basic faith with, and the way Eugene Peterson puts it, with good character. So here's what I want you to add to your faith. 
good, godly character. See, Peter says in verse 3 that God calls and he provides for us out of his goodness. So it's out of God's goodness that God acts. Who God is precedes what God does. His actions, his good actions, derive from his character. And so what we have got to make every effort to add to our faith is to say, is a godly character. It is a goodness. It is, if you like, a Christ-likeness that then determines and influences our actions, that then manifests itself in doing good. So it's about being good. It's about a godly character, but it's not just about being good. It's also about then doing good. And I know Paul says, he makes it clear in Ephesians 2, none of us are saved by doing good, but what does he say? We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Being good, but then it's also about doing good. So the question is, if we are to make every effort to add to our faith, being good, doing good, how do we make every effort to do that? How do we make every effort to do that? Well, let me give you three suggestions of how you make every effort to add goodness to your faith. The first one is you become a better worshiper. You become a better worshiper. If if you have a copy of the Bible, turn back to 1 Peter 2, verse 9. And these are familiar words. Tim uh, led us through these verses a number of months ago. You are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're God's special possession. That, here's the purpose, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now, that phrase, the praises of him, what that actually means is God's goodness, that you may declare God's goodness who called you out of and so on. You see, as God's chosen people who belong to him, we should constantly and loudly, as we've been doing this morning, declare God's goodness, sing about his goodness. He is a good God. And so we should be constantly and loudly declaring God's goodness. And one of the key ways we do that is through our worship. It's through our singing and our praising and our praying vocal worship. And as we celebrate God's goodness, the more we do something, and this is an incredible thought, verse four, look at this. The more we celebrate God's goodness, the more, to use Peter's phrase, and this is a mind-blowing phrase, we participate in God's divine nature. We participate. We can participate in God's divine nature. The character of God, Christ-likeness, can be growing and manifest itself in us and through us. So how do you make every effort to add goodness to your faith? You become a better or a true worshiper who declares God's goodness constantly and loudly. Secondly, you follow his spirit, or to use the New Testament phrase, Paul's phrase, you keep in step with the spirit. The divine power of God, the spirit of God, as I said at the start, lives in every Christian indwells every single child of God. And one of his key rules, it's not a force, it's not an it, one of his key rules is what? It's to cultivate fruit. 
in our lives. And one of those segments, one of the nine segments of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the sixth segment is goodness. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. So goodness doesn't need to be pounded into us. Goodness doesn't need to be coaxed out of us itself. It needs to flow from within us as we keep in step with the Spirit of God. And so the effort that we need to make in adding goodness to our faith involves walking daily in step with the Spirit, not grieving the Spirit, not quenching the Spirit, but walking and keeping in step with the Spirit and allowing Him to cultivate that fruit in our life so that it flows out from us to others, the love, the joy, peace, but also goodness. And thirdly, find a model. Find someone who is good and imitate them. Find someone who is good. Follow their example. One of the most incredible phrases that Paul ever used was this. It's in Corinth. Follow my example, which is almost like an arrogant thing to say, but what did he then go on to say? As I follow the example of Christ. And so what I encourage you to do, find a person, two or three people who resemble Jesus and learn from them. Learn from, Jesus went about doing what? What did Jesus go about doing? Good. So find somebody who models Jesus. Somebody who can say, follow my example because I follow the example. Find someone like that and imitate them. The apostle, the apostle John writes this in his third letter. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but imitate what's good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. So how do you add, make every effort to add to your faith goodness? You imitate good people. So be good. This is what we're talking about. Do good. Worship a good God. Follow the Holy Spirit. Imitate good people. That's how you make every effort. That's three suggestions on how you make every effort. So knowledge. Let's move on to the, the second one. Knowledge. Add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. So let me ask you, what do you know? What do you know? Do you know lots? Not very much. More than most, less than most. What do you know? Well, according to Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, we, we all possess knowledge. Every one of us, we all possess knowledge. But then he warns, knowledge puffs up. So in other words, knowledge has this kind of toxin lurking within it. And that toxin, that poison is pride. Knowledge is, of course, desirable, but knowledge is also dangerous because it can be used as a weapon or a trophy to humiliate, to intimidate, and to alienate people. And so the question is, what exact knowledge do we need? Because we need to know what we need to know before we can know it. Okay? Say that again. We need to know what we need to know before we can know it. So what kind of, what kind of knowledge are we talking about here? Well, again, those of you who've got a Bible or are on a device, look up at the verses above because you will notice that Paul, Peter has already used the word knowledge four times. Or he's used it twice before he uses it here and then once more in, in verse eight. So let, let's look at the way, what he says. He says, verse two, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So grace and peace comes through knowledge. Second occurrence is in verse three, where he says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge 
of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. So knowledge imparts grace and peace, and knowledge provides life and godliness. Huge. Here then, in verse 5, he talks about uh, adding knowledge. And then the fourth time he uses it is in verse 8. Look at this. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this knowledge is also a key to effectiveness and productivity. So knowledge is clearly a big deal. It's an incredible quality, but what exactly is it that we need to know? Well, based on these three verses, the answer is staring us in the face. Let me get you involved again. What is it we need to know? What is it we need to know? Well, somebody be brave enough. Correct. We don't need to know something. We need to know someone. And, not, and this is not just about knowing about them, although that's part of it. It's actually about knowing them and loving them. So our knowledge, it's knowing God and Jesus. But back to 1 Corinthians 8, let me just finish the verse. After Paul says we all possess knowledge, knowledge puffs up. Here's what it goes on to say. Love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know, but whoever loves God is known by God. So the goal of knowing is loving God. That is the goal of knowing. It's loving God. And then Paul does, or Peter does add, or Paul, sorry, adds this astonishing claim in 1 Corinthians. He says, whoever loves God, think about this for a moment. Whoever loves God is known by God. So loving God guarantees that God knows it. Do you know what is the most terrifying words anyone will ever hear from God? Those terrifying words that anyone will ever hear from God is, I never what? I never knew you. Never knew you. The knowledge that we are to add is about knowing God, loving God, and therefore knowing that he knows us. Let me say that again. The knowledge that we are to add is about knowing God, loving God, and therefore knowing that God knows us. The old saying is true, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Or better still, it's not what you know, it's who you love and who loves you. So question then is, if, if, that's, if that's the knowledge that we are to add to our faith and to goodness, how do we make every effort to do that? Because I want this to be as practical as possible, and that's why I want us to park here for a number of weeks, because I really do want this to be practical. So the question, how do we make every effort to add knowledge? Well, let me give you four sources that enable us to know and love God better. And the first and basic source is Scripture. You see, that's where we meet God. God reveals himself through his word. The Bible is our primary source of knowledge about the nature and work of God. It's as we read, it's as we listen, it's as we study, it's as we meditate on scripture that we know who God is, we know what God is like, and we get to know God personally. And so one aspect of the effort required in adding knowledge is the discipline, and this is part of the make, you know, apply all diligence, and we said this last week, it requires diligence and discipline. So part, one aspect of the effort required is the discipline of constantly and consistently, something we keep talking about, consistently engaging with God's word. We're going to get to know God better. 
get to know Jesus better, we have got to engage with Scripture. And just as a kind of aside, and by way of encouragement, and I meant to bring one with me this morning, but Mark and the Clay team have produced and provided a book for all our young people. Uh, Many of you parents will have seen this book. It's an incredible book that the guys have produced. And it's for all our young people from year 8 to year 14. And it's an 80-day reading guide through Mark's gospel that encourages our young people to read and reflect on Scripture every single day from the last clay, the last youth group of this term, until the first clay, the first youth group of the next term. And it's brilliant. It really is brilliant. If you haven't seen one, ask Mark about it. Ask your young people about it. But to do that, to engage with that, it's going to require diligence and discipline on our young people's part. It's going to involve effort. But I passionately believe that it's as we read Scripture that we encounter and we discover more about God, more of God. We add knowledge. So that's, how we, that's the first way we make every effort. That's the first source. Second source Back over something I've maybe said earlier, worship and prayer. You see, to know God, we start with Scripture. We keep returning to Scripture, but God also inhabits our praises as he has done here this morning. God inhabits our praises, and he also draws near to those who draw near to him. And so as we lift our voices in praise, as we breathe out praise, as we lift our voices in prayer, what happens? We encounter God. We converse with God. We get to know God. So what I would say is make every effort to come to engage this evening where we have space and time to worship and pray together. And therefore get to know God better. So another source is worship and prayer. Third source, creation. We get to know God through his handiwork. What does the God's word tell us? The heavens declare God's glory. The, the, the skies proclaim his innovation, his design. And at the same time, I know all creation groans, waiting for God to finish what he started. You know, as we observe and reflect on the world around us, we can know something about God. We can know more about God. As we reflect and observe on the world around us, we can know something about God and more about God. So the third source is creation. And the fourth and final source is, is community. Do you know, we can discover more about God through one another. Or as someone has put it, We learn in the mess and the mundaneness of life together the art of knowing and being known, of loving and being loved. And as the Apostle John reminds us, none of us can say we love God if we don't love our brother, if we hate our brother. Community life takes effort. We know that, don't we? Community life takes effort. But it's as we love one another that it deepens our love and our knowledge of God. So add knowledge, which is all about who you know and all about who you love. And how do you make every effort? You turn to God's word, you worship and pray, you look at creation, and you engage and embrace community. So that's two down, five to go. How are we doing? I'm going to finish. I'm going to exercise self-control. Uh, and stop there for now, and we'll pick up again in two weeks. But see, see as we close, let's go back to our self-evaluation. And just as we close, I'm going to get, ask the guys to come back, the band to come back here for a second. As we close, let's, let's go back to this. And I want to give you a moment to consider these first two qualities that we are to add to our faith. Goodness and knowledge. And, and in the quietness, reflect on where you are at in being good and in doing good. Reflect on your character, your Christ-likeness, 
and then reflect on what you've done this week to express that you follow Jesus in doing good works. And then secondly, where are you at in knowing God and loving him better? How's your relationship with God this morning? How's that love relationship been this week? As you've engaged with his word and as you've talked to him and as you've worshipped him, how's it been? Take a moment and remember, we have everything we need for it. None of us are lacking anything for this. Our faith is in place. This, like our faith isn't in danger here. It's not in question. But living this life, growing in godliness, requires our input. Some assembly is needed.